Hello and welcome, fellow human. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and you are listening to Humans in Love, a podcast that looks at culture, relationships, and personal development from unconventional perspectives. Join me as I dig into the question of how people like you and I might get more out of life and love. Thanks for being here. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different from what you're perhaps used to. There's no guest today, it's just me. Uh, That's one thing. The second thing is I'm actually filming this, um, which I haven't done before. And the last thing is that I'm going to talk about something that I haven't talked about before on this podcast in any depth, really. It's, um, it's an aspect of my life, my daily life, and it's an aspect of my past that I have not really delved into at all on this podcast, and I think now is probably the perfect moment. I anticipate that many of you are going to be listening to me uh, for the first time. If you're not aware, uh, this week there was an article published in the BBC about my story and about the topic, retroactive jealousy. Now, many of you will know what that is. Many of you won't. In a nutshell, the topic refers to, or the, the word, the phrase, retroactive jealousy, the term, refers to being bothered by a partner's past relationships. And... Generally, when we talk about retroactive jealousy, we're talking about not just being bothered by your partner's past, but having it kind of obsessing you and being really stuck in that mode of thinking about it all the time, having all this incessant curiosity, having a great deal of mental movies that keep you up at night. It's, uh, it can be a living nightmare. It can be really, really, um, very difficult to overcome, very difficult to get a, get a handle on and very difficult to make sense of. It's also a topic that has not gotten much exposure at all in the popular press in, uh, and even online. There isn't a ton of information about this, you know. I have the domain retroactivejealousy.com because it was available on it. That was back in 2013, not that long ago. Even today, there isn't a ton of information out there about this topic. I'm kind of one voice uh, alone in the wilderness in many ways. Now, there are some, some internet marketers trying to capitalize on this. Um, nameless, faceless, I'll call them internet marketers, some of whom have co-opted the names of my products uh, to sell their own products. There's been some shady stuff happening, uh, which I won't go into now, but suffice to say there aren't many people willing to use their real name, put their face out there, and talk honestly about this issue. And to a certain extent, I understand why. There's a few reasons why, I think. For one, In 2018, when you're talking about sex and dating and things of this nature, gender, um, our relationships to each other as men and women, if you're talking about sex and anything related to sex, basically, you're stepping into a potential minefield. I mean, there's tons of people online willing to misinterpret what you say, um, eager to put words in your mouth, eager to be offended at things you say. It can be very, very tricky to talk about anything related to these topics. And 
frankly, if you've struggled with retroactive jealousy, it's very embarrassing. Okay. I'm recording this podcast today. I'm looking at myself being filmed and I'm, there's still a part of me that's a little embarrassed about the way I used to act, about the fact that I felt like I didn't have control over my emotions, over my thoughts, over my actions for a period of time. And I still remember back when I was struggling with this issue, how few people could really relate to me and who attempted empathy even. The most common advice I received throughout the time that I was struggling with retroactive jealousy was just get over it. The past is the past. Move on. Anyone listening to this or watching this knows that that is far easier said than done when you're struggling with retroactive jealousy. Now, there is a ton to say about this topic. There is so much to get into. I mean, in my online course, Get Over Your Partner's Past Fast, it's over 10 hours long, uh, and it's that long for a reason. This is actually a surprisingly complicated issue. And it's one that encompasses a lot. When we have to work to overcome this issue, we have to get into some of our underlying beliefs about relationships, about who we are as individuals, about our potential and willingness to grow. We have to decide once and for all how we're going to live our lives in many ways. This, that, this might sound dramatic, but, but it's true. We have to make some big um, big effort and there's some real perspectives that need to be shifted there. So it's actually a surprisingly complicated issue. In today's video, I want to talk a little bit more about my story and my experience of retroactive jealousy. I want to offer some words of encouragement and guidance to people who are struggling with this issue right now. I'd like to talk a little bit about what I've learned since I came out <laughs> as, uh, as being one who struggled with this issue. And I want to hopefully give an overview for people, particularly ret retroactive jealousy sufferers. I want to kind of share what this issue um, can do for you and, and what overcoming this issue can do for you and ways that you can move forward in your life, in your relationship. Firstly, I'll, I'll share a little more about my experience of retroactive jealousy. If you haven't read the article, I will post a link in the description, or if you're listening to this podcast in the show notes, the BBC article, which covers my story in a fair amount of depth and detail. But the short version is this. When I was a young, younger man, late teens and early 20s, I met a very beautiful, very intelligent, very special woman. I fell in love and very fairly early on in our relationship, we had to talk about our past relationships. And there was no detail. There was absolutely nothing that was out of the ordinary that my partner shared. There was no smoking gun. There was no big drama. There was no... There was nothing titillating. There was really, it was, there was nothing at all. And in fact, my past was more colorful in some ways. Uh, if someone was going to be jealous, they'd have more to be jealous of when they, when they thought of my past. But shortly after that conversation, my lover's past was the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning 
and the last thing I thought about when I went to bed at night. To a certain extent, it became all-consuming. It was all I could think about for a long time. We're talking months. Now, there were periods when I would find some peace of mind or she would uh, have a particularly reassuring conversation with me. But for the most part, this was the cross I was forced to, to carry for a long time. It was like... You, your mind gets stuck in this cycle where you have all this ridiculous curiosity about your partner's past. You start obsessing over these little details. And sometimes you talk yourself into this feeling that if I just ask my partner one more question about their past, if I just get clarity on one more item related to their path, past, rather, I'll feel okay. And this will put this issue to bed. All will be well. I'll be able to move on. You tell yourself all kinds of stories like this. And sometimes you actually act on those curious impulses. You will ask your partner about something related to their pa past. They will usually share that detail with well, the thing you, you want to know. They'll give you an answer and you'll feel better sometimes for a day or a week or a month or maybe even a year, something like that. But then all of the old thoughts, questions, obsessions return eventually. The way out of retroactive jealousy, I want to emphasize this so much, is not through asking your partner questions about their past. It's not through being an online detective and digging into the details of their past and stalking them on Facebook and stalking their former lovers on Facebook or anything like that. I really want to highlight this point. The, the problem of retroactive jealousy belongs to the sufferer and the solution can only be achieved, can only be discovered by the sufferer. Your partner cannot solve this problem for you. How do I know that? Because I tried. <laughs> and my, my, my former partner tried as well. They tried, she tried, everything in the book to ease my insecurity, to sort of ease my curiosity. She tried everything and nothing helped. Ultimately, nothing changed for me with this problem. And I, I wasted a lot of time and a lot of stupid fights and, and dumb arguments and a lot of really embarrassing, shameful behavior. You know, I was, I could be incredibly judgmental. And the hypocrisy is something that, I mean, breathtaking hypocrisy, truly, considering that I was no saint uh, when my partner and I met each other and had our relationship. And it was... It was truly embarrassing. I'll spare you more details, but it was, it was not, it's a chapter of my life I'm not proud of. What I am proud of is finally, after too much time, deciding to own this problem, deciding to take charge, to, deciding to say, I need to find a way out and through this, and no one is going to do that for me except me. I need to find the solution, because I would Google, and I would talked to therapists and counselors, and I found very, very little that was actually going to help me. There was very little information about this at the time, especially uh, online or otherwise. And people, again, people were not often, they weren't even attempting to be empathetic. People were often very judgmental toward me, acting like I was choosing to, to act this way, acting like I was choosing to feel these feelings when, of course, I wasn't. So eventually, 
I decided that I needed to find my way through this. And so that's exactly what I did. It took some time. It took a lot of uh, trial and error, but eventually I worked my way through this. How did I do that? Again, this is, there's so much to say about this, and I, I'm, I want to keep this video brief. I attended some very intensive meditation retreats, which really helped. I talk about meditation and mindfulness practice a lot in my online course, Get Over Your Partners Past Fast, and in my guidebook, Overcoming Retroactive Jealousy. Some kind of basic meditation and mindfulness habit routine really helps. This is important. Don't put it off. Virtually every single email I've received from retroactive jealousy sufferers who are making progress say that they've incorporated some kind of mindfulness routine into their daily life. Now, in case it isn't clear, you don't have to be a Buddhist to meditate. You don't have to be a Hindu to chant. Um, you don't have to be a Hare Krishna to, to, to chant. Um, you know, these, these kind of practices are available to all and they can be very, very helpful. And you can do any kind of mindfulness meditation you want. You can, there's a uh, few apps that are very good. There's one that's called Headspace. There's one that's called Calm. You can do Christian meditations. You can do uh, Muslim meditations. Some kind of basic mindfulness practice that, that allows your mind to rest, that allows you to disconnect from your thoughts and realize that your thoughts aren't you. Another discovery that I, that I found through, through Buddhism, but it's certainly it's an insight that is not unique to, to Buddhism or Buddhist thought. We are not our thoughts. So to use the example of retroactive jealousy, I would have a thought about my partner's past and I would react as if that thought was inescapable and that thought was just inherently part of who I was. I acted like a victim. I acted like there's nothing I can do about this thought. It's ruining my day. It's ruining my evening. I have to get to the bottom of it. I have to ask my partner all these silly questions. And as a result of this, this faulty thinking, I would often be pretty stressed out about my thoughts and I would, I would attach an enormous amount of meaning and significance to these thoughts. One principle that is very important in Buddhist philosophy is that we are not our thoughts. And in a nutshell, our lives get a lot better, they get a lot more peaceful when we can learn to disconnect from those thoughts to, to disconnect from any thought that isn't serving us, and that is taking us away, further away from the person we're, we're trying to become, the person we want to become. An idea that I talk about a lot in my online course and in all my materials on retroactive jealousy, an analogy I really like, is thinking of your thoughts like clouds in the sky. This analogy this way of thinking about our thoughts helped me tremendously when I was struggling with retroactive jealousy. Just realizing this, this idea is not enough. I think meditation, again, can be very, very helpful. But just as a kind of gateway drug to, <laughs> to maybe learning more about Buddhism and mindfulness practice, picture you're on your back laying in the grass on a sunny day, watching clouds float overhead in the sky. So you see one cloud approach, and it's kind of dark and gray and perhaps a little ominous looking. Now that cloud might rain and thunder for a bit. It might threaten to disrupt your day, but eventually that cloud is going to pass on by. Even if there's a group of clouds in the sky that are forming a thunderstorm and 
really meaning business, really raining down and thundering and all the rest. No cloud is permanent. And those clouds don't represent who you are. You might get a little rain on you. You might um, feel the change in, in the air pressure. And the cloud has the potential to impact you in some way. But that cloud doesn't represent who you are. And that cloud eventually, sooner or later, is going to float on by. And you have the power to walk away from that cloud. You can go indoors. You can uh, drive your bike somewhere else. You can do whatever. You, can, you have the power to, to disconnect from that thought in a very real way. And you can do the same with your thoughts. This takes practice. This does, does, it doesn't happen immediately. It's not like you're just going to watch this video and you know, a thought will never bother you again. And thoughts, of course, still bother me today all the time. Every day there's something that comes up that um, gets under my skin to a certain extent. But the fact is we are bigger than our thoughts. We are more powerful than our thoughts. We have the ability to change our thoughts, and we have the ability to disconnect from our thoughts. Our thoughts don't re represent who we are, and any power, any meaning, any significance that that thought has is power, meaning, and significance that we are ascribing to that thought. On its own, that thought is just a thought. This was another realization, revelation, whatever you want to call it, that was absolutely critical for me as I worked to recover from retroactive jealousy. Another thing I did that immediately helped, and I still slipped up every now and then, but this is another absolutely non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned. Anyone familiar with my mini course or anything like that, or any of my materials knows that I kind of, I talk about this a lot. Stop talking to your partner about their past. Stop asking questions. Stop grilling them. Stop trying to get to the bottom of things that you can never really get to the bottom of. Let that go. If you found my work, if the Google gods have smiled on you and brought you to me, if you found the phrase retroactive jealousy, which many people, most retroactive jealousy sufferers don't even know that this term, so they have a problem finding, finding this kind of information. If you're watching this video right now or listening to this podcast and you're struggling with retroactive jealousy, chances are good you know a lot about your partner's past. Chances are good that you know way more about your partner's past than the average person in a relationship. Chances are good, I think, that you have the answers to the most important questions, the things that really matter, the things that are going to determine whether or not you're going to stay with your partner. Because if you found something in your partner's past or something has come up that to your mind says that you're not a good match for each other, hopefully you've ended the relationship. Hopefully, you know, you've let your partner go and hopefully you're moving on. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be watching this. So the point is, you don't need any more mundane details. You don't need any more unnecessary information to sort of throw into your head and let your mind run wild with, those new, with this new information. You don't need that. Chances are very good you've done enough of that already. And the way that, generally speaking, the way retroactive jealousy works is you, you grasp onto one tiny little detail and then you paint this enormously elaborate portrait around it. You fill in the gaps with all of your made-up information and theories about what may have happened in your partner's past. You paint this, I call them mental movies. You paint a very, very elaborate mental movie concerning your partner's past. And chances are you've done a lot of that already, and you don't need to do more. So another step I would recommend, especially if you're in the very early stages of struggling with retroactive jealousy, stop 
asking your partner questions about their past. Stop digging. You've dug enough. It's all good. You don't need any more information as far as that goes. On a related note, stop all of the unnecessary research. What do I mean by that? If you're struggling with retroactive jealousy and you have an internet connection, you have a problem in some ways because there's an endless amount of information out there about men and women, about dating, and often there's an endless amount of information about your partner's past. Now, hopefully by this point, as we've covered, you have the answers to the main questions about your partner's past and whether or not you even want to pursue a future with them. If you don't have that information, you know, you can go to my blog, you can dig into my materials. A lot of my work is aimed at helping you make that decision for yourself and, and helping you come to the conclusions you need to come to, to feel somewhat peaceful about your compatibility with your partner. That's a separate issue. Hopefully you have that information. But all of the old social media posts that are out there and everything that could be misinterpreted by you in terms of you know, how it relates to your partner's past, that's a real problem. What is also a problem is you have every Tom, Dick, and Harry and every, anyone with an internet connection has a voice. And that's a brilliant thing. In a lot of ways, that's a really beautiful thing. But it can also be a dangerous thing because you can have a lot of information coming in that is not serving you and that can be really destructive and really detrimental to you as you work through this sometimes as well you'll have very clear feelings about something you'll have real clarity about something and then you encounter some random post in a reddit form or a reddit thread or whatever and all of a sudden you're back to square one it can really mess you up it can really sort of do your head in and again if if you're the typical retroactive jealousy sufferer it's interesting because you know, I'm, I'm in a really weird, unique position in a lot of ways because I have received thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of email from men and women from every country in the world on this issue. I don't think anyone else is, <laughs> for better or worse, has had this amount of exposure to retroactive jealousy sufferers. And there's some interesting patterns. It seems to me that the average retroactive jealousy sufferer is, by nature, a very curious person and thus... Um, you know, it usually follows a very intelligent person. And curious, intelligent people like to research. They like to get their hands dirty. They like to consider things from every possible uh, angle. They like to really dig in and, um, and get the whole picture about something. And that can be a crazy, you know, benefit to your life. That can be a real asset. But can, it can also be a problem when it comes to something like retroactive jealousy. So another piece of advice, something else that helped me was really limiting the amount of new information coming in and stop researching everything. Stop, you know, lingering in that destructive, really toxic Reddit thread at 3 a.m. on a Sunday night or whatever, you know. Stop scrolling through your partner's old social media posts and trying to decipher what does this mean and who is this person and you know, why does why did this guy like her picture? <laughs> All of these crazy things that we do just really try to limit that. And an idea that goes hand in hand with that is limiting your screen time in general. I don't know about you, but I find my life is a lot better the less time I spend in front of screens and the more time I spend in front of real humans or doing things that are actually productive that I enjoy, like exercise or reading or playing guitar or whatever. So another piece of advice that I would offer is really stop trying to be the online detective 
and be careful about the information that's coming in. There's so much to say about this issue, but so some of my male readers, some of the, the males, the men who write, write to me, tell me about some of the things they find in certain internet forms written by, in my view, guys who really don't like women. Guys who are angry at women, guys who cherry pick statistics uh, from scientific studies, guys who are looking for a reason to justify what I view as really irrational, destructive jealousy. And they encounter these, these bloggers, these threads, these forms, and it can really set them back because the, their head starts getting filled with all kinds of information about men and women and relationships that is not really helping them work their way through this issue. In fact, it's, it's probably setting them back. And more generally, it's, it's leaving them with a pretty negative impression of women. And again, on this, on this issue, as long as I'm talking about this, a lot of people misinterpret me and they, they think that what I'm saying is every single case of retroactive jealousy is irrational and, you know, the past doesn't matter at all and there's no such thing as red flags and all the rest. I don't say that and I don't think that for a minute. I realize that sometimes the past is very relevant and that sometimes it's absolutely the best choice to move, up, to move on from a partner whose past genuinely conflicts with your values and represents a huge waving red flag moving forward. I don't judge people who make that decision as long as they're, you know, kind and considerate to their partner as they do so, as long as they don't destroy their partner in the process of, of leaving them or something like that. But by all means, if you really feel like your partner's past is incompatible with you and your values, not only can you move on, you should move on and you should let that person find someone better suited to them. And you should find someone better, better suited to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're obsessed with your partner's past, if, it, if it's something you're thinking about all the time and it's just gnawing at you, but you don't want to leave the relationship, well, you have a problem that you need to solve somehow. And I feel like I found a pretty good way to solve that problem with you know, the things I talk about in my blog and book and online course. And a lot of people have found that very helpful, but you know, whatever works. The, problem, the point is you need to find a way to get your head to a place where you can think relatively clearly about this issue. That's, that's the point. Because whatever decision you make going forward, if you're struggling with any uh, sort of um, ambivalence when you think about your partner's past and their suitability for a long-term relationship, if you're struggling with that at all, you need to get your mind to a place where you can think clearly about it. And when you're in the thick of retroactive jealousy, when it's something you're thinking about a lot and you feel like you're almost obsessed with it, that's not the time, I think, to make that kind of decision. So... This is another reason why I encourage retroactive jealousy sufferers to watch about, be careful about the information coming in. This is not to say, I can, you know, see the YouTube comments already. This is not to say that I am the only one who has anything <laughs> of value to say on this issue and you just have to listen to me. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I've been there, you know, I've been on those dodgy internet forums at four in the morning reading some really toxic stuff that really confused me. Just be careful about the information coming in. That, that's my advice. Another point that I will say, and this is the most important point, and this is, again, this is when things really shifted for me when I was struggling with retroactive jealousy. The most important thing I can tell you, I think, is don't be a victim. 
don't assume that what you're struggling with is something you're going to have to carry around with you for the rest of your life because it isn't. Don't tell yourself that this is just something you're going to have to live with and you're always going to be this irrationally jealous person. Retroactive jealousy is something that you're just going to have to to deal with for the rest of your life. This is not true. Don't believe people who tell you it is. I'm living proof that overcoming retroactive jealousy is possible. But you don't have to just take my word for it. If you go to my website, for example, you can see dozens of testimonials from people. You can see video testimonials from people. Retroactive jealousy sufferers, most of whom were at the extreme end of things. We're talking obsessed by their partner's past. People have regained control and have worked their way through this issue. Okay, it's not just uh, it's not just me by any means. You can overcome this issue. This is not something you have to live with. And anytime you you feel hopeless, or anytime you start going down that path where you feel like a victim, or you're telling yourself, "Oh boy, you know, um, you know what? A, it's it's terrible that I have to 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 deal with this, and you know, woe is me, and all that." Just stop yourself because that kind of victim mentality, that kind of victim thinking, will will set you back, and will keep you from overcoming this. Be very, very careful whenever you start going down that mental route, whenever you start having those thoughts. Check yourself. Remember, just think of my voice or think of my my face here on your computer screen or whatever is inspiring for you. Remember that overcoming this issue is absolutely possible, but it takes work. It takes work and it takes... I often People often ask me, how long does it take to, overcoming, to overcome retroactive jealousy? The answer is... It, it almost entirely depends on the amount of work you're willing to put in. There are other factors in that. Obviously, there's your particular life circumstances. There's your upbringing. There's all the social and cultural programming that maybe is around you. But fundamentally, I think, it comes down to how much work you're willing to put in. And if you are willing to put in the work, you will overcome this issue, okay? And, and be very careful every time you have thoughts that contradict that, that thought because... You absolutely have the power to overcome retroactive jealousy. Thank you very much for listening slash watching this today. I hope this wasn't too long. I tried to keep it as, as brief as I could, but suffice to say, there's a lot to say about this issue, and I have a lot more to say. If you're struggling with retroactive jealousy and you're wanting to take some first steps, the first thing I'd recommend is I created a free mini course on this very topic. It's for people who are struggling with retroactive jealousy who want to start working towards overcoming it right now, today. There's four videos. You'll get the videos over the course of a week and many hundreds of people so far, almost thousands now, almost a thousand, have found it very, very helpful. So click the link in the description or go to retroactivejealousy.com. You'll see sign up forms everywhere. Um, and enter your email address and I'll send you this free mini course. Um, I think you'll find it helpful. It's free. There's no catch. You can unsubscribe anytime and uh, give it a shot because, again, I'm, tr I'm trying to be brief here, but the benefits to overcoming this issue, I cannot stress this enough. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a funny thing working on an issue that's kind of narrow like this. Now, I do other things. I have other projects and all the rest, but retroactive jealousy is a big part of my life, even today, all these years later. And someone might ask, like, why are you focusing on this relatively narrow topic? Because the return on your investment in terms of overcoming this issue is difficult to overstate. Because retroactive jealousy, to my mind, is about some very, very deep-seated issues. And 
it really holds you back. It holds you back from loving people fully. It holds you back in every, almost every area of your life. You know, like there, it's almost like I compare it to driving a car with one foot tapping the brake, one foot on the brake at all times. It's like you're never quite willing to open up and really experience things and, and just enjoy life because you have this slight anxiety in the back of your head. And you're worried perhaps about retroactive jealousy returning if you've been having a, you know, a period where it's relatively peaceful. You're never quite free. You know? You're never quite free to really enjoy and love and live your life. So you know, in terms of before and after overcoming this issue, I cannot stress how different I am today from back when I struggled with retroactive jealousy. I'm more loving. I'm more present. I'm more fun, I think, to be around. I laugh a lot more. And my relationships are so much better today since I learned to work through this issue. I really can't stress that enough. I, I wouldn't be able to have had many of the experiences in my life that I've had if I was still, still struggling with retroactive jealousy. And another way, you know, another thing I compare it to is it's almost like just taking a massive exhale. It's like, oh, I can settle into the bliss of being alive. I can settle into just enjoying my life and embracing all the messiness of life without this burden, without carrying this around with me all the time. So, it, you know, there really is no comparison before and after retroactive jealousy. I promise you it's worth it to put in the work to overcome this. And whatever path you choose, you know, I wish you luck. I wish you strength. And um, the only thing I'd say is make sure you stay committed because you will experience bumps in the road. I didn't even talk about that yet, but you will absolutely experience bumps in the road on your way to overcoming retroactive jealousy. It's not a question of if they will come. It's a question of when. The point is you need to, to remember all the progress you've made. You need to stay committed. You have to keep your eyes on the prize. You know, you have to remember that you are working toward becoming a more peaceful human being. Perhaps you're working to save your relationship. You know, remember what you're doing this for. Remember what it's all about. And remember people like me and an army of former sufferers around the world who have conquered this issue, have got this beat. Now, again, there's still bumps in the road. I still have the odd moments when those old patterns, those old pangs in the chest threaten to reemerge. The difference now is I know what I'm dealing with and I know how to work through them. That wasn't true for me for years, but finally I've, I have these tools, I have these practices, I have these perspectives that allow me to work through those issues. So if you put in the work, you can absolutely overcome retroactive jealousy, power through those bumps in the road, stay committed, put in the work, and you can get this beat, I promise you. One more time, for more information about me and my work, you can go to retroactivejealousy.com or click the link in the description slash show notes, and you can sign up for my free mini course on getting started overcoming retroactive jealousy. So it turns out when the BBC publishes an article about you and puts it on the front page, your life kind of changes <laughs> in some ways. My email inbox is absolutely blown up and it's just been 24 hours. So I think my suspicions are correct that uh, there are many, many, many more retroactive jealousy sufferers out there than a lot of people realize.
and it makes me feel really glad that people are reaching out and um, starting to get the help they need. And I hope you found that podcast, if you're a retroactive jealousy sufferer, I hope you found that podcast helpful. If you're not a retroactive jealousy sufferer, I hope you at least found it somewhat interesting. And if you're into this podcast, I think it, it sheds a little more light on where I'm coming from and what I'm all about and some of my interests. So hopefully you got something out of that podcast. I wanted to tell you before I let you go that I'm taking the month of August off and I'm not doing that because I'm lazy. I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. Number one, as I say, my email inbox is is blowing up and uh, I kind of suspected something like this. And there are a lot of new opportunities coming my way. I just got an email actually about a collaboration opportunity with a university in the United States, which I'm really interested in. And I feel like this deserves my attention at the moment. Secondly, I want to take some time to recharge and record some more interviews. I already have a couple in the can, but I'd like to get some more with some interesting people that I think you'll, you'll find really interesting. And finally, you know, I want to, I want this podcast to be sustainable because as if you listen to episode zero, I kind of got burnt out with the music podcast and I don't want to do that this time. I want this to be around for a long time. I want it to be a part of my life for a long time. Hopefully I want it to be a part of your life for a long time. And I think it's worthwhile every once in a while to pause and reflect and recharge a bit. So I'll be back with a new episode for you on, I'm just looking at my calendar now, September 4th. I will have a brand new episode of Humans in Love for you. So if you're in North America, Europe, uh, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I hope you're really enjoying summer. I hope you enjoy the hell out of August, remembering all the while that life is short. And send me an email. Let me know what you're up to. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. Always really exciting to hear from listeners. Thank you for listening, my friends. I will talk to you very, very soon. If you haven't done so already, please go to humansinlove.com. You can sign up for my email list and get the show notes and everything you'd like to know about me and this podcast. And I often send out little email updates on that. So sign up at humansinlove.com. Thank you very much, my friends. I will talk to you again very, very soon.